thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Now, if you've ever wanted to know how shift work or should I say sleep deprivation affects our hormonal health, then you're definitely going to enjoy today's episode because I've invited a lady onto the show today who knows hormones inside out, upside down and back to front and that's fertility expert Dr. Nat Kringudis. Nat is based down in Melbourne here in Australia and is going to chat with us on all things to do with fertility, stress and sleep. And she's a doctor of Chinese medicine, an acupuncturist, author, speaker and all-round natural fertility expert. She's also the founder of Melbourne's uh, wellness health clinic called The Pagoda Tree. She's the creator of Yonuts and also the producer of Health Talks TV. In her own words, she makes hormones happier than a Pharrell Williams song. I so love that. It's just brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) So to tell us more about fertility, stress and sleep, I'd love to give a warm, healthy ship worker welcome to Nat. Hello. Hi, Audrey. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, look, thank you very much, um, you know, for joining me today. Uh, Nat, it, it's an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's amazing to be here, although I don't sound as healthy as I'd like. Okay. <laughs> I've been on a whirlwind trip for, to the US and back two weekends ago and I it hit me on Monday. It, it caught up with me and <laughs> so I sound a little bit congested. But on the whole, I'm very well, so all good. Oh, so you're suffering from a little bit of a jet lag. Um, a bit of a post- head cold. Yeah. You know, we're all human. It yeah. happens. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, Nat, um, as I just mentioned, you know, before we went to air, you know, I I first met you a couple of years ago. And, and of course, you're not going to remember me, um, but I was attending, you know, one of the wellness summits uh, down in Melbourne. And I remember watching you when you're on stage and thinking, wow, this lady is like an energizer bunny on steroids. <laughs> so nice. You're so funny. Can I tell you that weekend that I was spoke at that um, summit, I had actually spoken at something the day before on the Gold Coast and it was an epic weekend and, of course, I did come home and fall in a heap. Don't you worry. <laughs> but when I'm up, I'm up. <laughs> and I love, I love nothing more than taking to the stage and sharing with people. It's my most favorite thing to do. So it is one of those things that I do find does energize me. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear that you are human, that you do, you know, can come down and crash and burn like the rest of us. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think it's really funny that, you know, I there's not a day that, goes by where someone doesn't say to me oh my goodness you are so busy how do you do everything you do and my answer is I don't do everything that I do I have a team of staff Mm. that are amazing that help me and I have amazing support with my husband and I certainly do not do this on my own and I think you know we need to move past that because somewhere along the line in recent times that became a thing that we needed to just go it alone. There's no one's going to help us. You know, we've got to battle on. And it's, I guess it's very Australian as well. But um, I think with everything in life, if it's your fertility, if it's, you know, just supporting your family or yourself, you need to pull on your people and your community to help you do that. I don't think anyone's supposed to be doing that alone. Mm, that I love that. It, it's a bit like that... Um is it the codrill ad that, you know, keeps, you know, keeps soldiering yes. on, keeps soldiering on? Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of... Um, I just, 
you know, I see this all the time in clinic where patients come in and they might be doing something like IVF or um, they might have fertility issues or maybe they've suffered some, mis- you know, recurrent miscarriages and they don't have anyone to talk to about it. They don't have anyone to help them and they don't want to talk about it because there is this um, association that it's not good. And I think we need to get past that because, you know, we are. You're right. We're all human. We all have challenges. We all face challenges and that's we've got to keep it real. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I've, I've got a couple, um, a little IVF question later on um, in the interview. But now, just to kickstart us off, I mean, I'd love you know for our listeners to hear a little bit about your story. I mean, what set you on this path to become a fertility expert? Oh my goodness, I did not want to become a fertility specialist at all. And oh, okay. obviously, within the realm of complementary therapies, it's a little bit different, you know. Um, but really, what the, the the truth of the matter is. I opened um, the pagoda tree around 14 years ago and was instantly hit with an influx of women wanting help with their fertility. And to be truthful, I didn't know what to do with them. Um, I didn't have the skill or the knowledge. Uh, I was straight out of uni. I didn't have acupuncture under my belt either at the time. I was straight up herbalist. And I felt really inadequate in being able to help them. And so, you know, I was pushing people away, basically saying, I don't want to help you. And Mm. let's face it, when women are hormonal, they're crazy. And I didn't want to deal with crazy women. That was not my (laughs) ideal. You know, I'd studied for a really long time and that wasn't my dream, you know. Um, I want, funnily enough, I wanted to treat gut and gut at the time wasn't trendy. It was very much a Chinese medicine idea of, you know, gut governs everything and thankfully we've come around to Mm. understanding that a little bit more. But um, I really resisted and I felt, like I said, I felt inadequate. And, And so anyway, this kept on happening and in the end I just one day thought, okay, well, if you can't beat them, join them. (laughs) Not in the sense of being or having fertility issues, but I needed to understand more. I needed to learn. I needed to um, practice uh, and and basically used patients with their consent as guinea pigs where I'll be very honest and say, I don't really know, but let's try this and see how it goes or could I try this on you? And I obviously kept on expanding my knowledge from a physiological sense as to what was going on and tried to keep my finger on the pulse. But I guess what really resonated for my patients and myself and where the results seemed to come thick and fast was when I integrated the West and the East together. And, and I'm not a medical doctor, but I have to know about, you know, medicine. Otherwise, I can't treat my patients either. So, you know, a lot of them were doing IVF or a lot of them were utilizing um, assisted conception methods that involve drugs. And I needed to work out how I could integrate that in the treatments that I could offer. Um, but also, again, bringing it back to the root cause of why is this happening? Why is a person being dealt these challenges what is it that is happening within their environment that's turning this on because the reality when you break it all down you're not being punished for something you did in a past life it is the reality of something within your environment is turning on these these symptoms in your body because it's manipulated or it's it's persuading your genes to do so and once I could sort of get to the crux of it and always come back and ask but why but why but why why is this happening to someone and really get some answers um women were very grateful for the fact that they were actually for the first time in a long time getting some positive support 
because that was the thing that they felt that was lacking outside of, um, you know, their conventional treatment um, and that they were getting results. So the proof was kind of in the pudding, pardon the pun. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we just continued to do that and continue to grow and evolve and I guess at the time no one was really doing it. So we were considered to be ahead of our time Um, and it was just, you know, it was probably at a turning point where people were really starting to question their health more than ever, really starting to question not in an, in a negative way but asking questions to their doctors and, you know, it's certainly generations before us, we didn't do that. We just, whatever we were told to do, we went and did um, whereas, you know, we got, we got a little bit more um, savvy with that and started to ask the questions that we needed individually to get the answers and the results and we continue to do that and we're still here doing the same thing. It just continued to be a right place, right time type situation where things continued to evolve and I went off and I had babies and that sort of shifted my focus slightly in terms of how I could best facilitate the business and took a lot of stuff online at that point and continued to to um, develop both the online business and the bricks and mortar business as well. Wow, I, I just love your whole your whole philosophy. Obviously, is just getting to that you know that root cause, which you know obviously is what functional medicine is all about. But um, Nat, one of the reasons you know I guess why I wanted to you know invite you onto the podcast is that a lot of my patients you know experience various types of hormonal issues from dysmenorrhea, endometriosis, PCOS, you know, which for our listeners stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, all the way through to issues with their infertility. And now I'm not a mum, so infertility really does go beyond the scope of my practice, but I have done a lot of research looking at the connection between shift work or I guess more specifically sleep and hormonal disruption. And it is no wonder that people do, you know, have these hormonal struggles and and in a lot of my previous podcast episodes I've spoken you know how this affects our uh, how lack of sleep disrupts our appetite regulating hormones along with our stress hormones but when it comes to female hormones and you know even men's hormones for that matter because you know it's not just about the girls here um, you know they're just as important um, when it comes to achieving fertility I really needed to call in the big guns hence that's why we're chatting today so my question to you Nat I, you know it's probably a big question but can you explain to our listeners you know how sleep disruption is actually causing havoc on our reproductive hormones yeah I mean look, look I guess let's make it as simple as possible because we can there's there's so many knock-on effects of sleep deprivation mm. there's so many and uh, I remember reading um Ariana Huffington's book about sleep deprivation. I can't think of what it's called. What's it called? Uh, The Sleep Revolution. Yes. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you Mm. know, this is what I'm dealing with each and every day. The reality, I think, in the bottom line is I don't think we appreciate how much it influences the way that our body behaves and then works. And our body is always going to do its best in the environment that it's in. I believe. It's always trying to do its best. Um, We might not believe that or see that, but, you know, even when it's doing weird and wonderful things, it's doing it for a reason and we need to, A, get to the bottom of what that might be. Again, what's the root cause of that? But, B, appreciate that our lifestyle is affecting everything. So, I guess there's two things when it comes to sleep. Is it that you can't sleep or is it that your lifestyle is not allowing you to sleep? And, Either way, though, they're still coming back to a word, and I wish there was a better word to use, but it's that 
it's still some type of stress on the body that's not allowing it to perform optimally. So, you know, stress is many things, right? Stress isn't just not sleeping or being busy or having to meet a deadline or, I don't know, staying awake all night. It, it can be your emotions. It might be your digestive health. What's your liver doing? Um, how's your brain function? Like so many things are considered stresses. Sleep deprivation is just one of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really we're learning a lot more about sleep and what it does to our brain. Um, you know, if we're not getting the cycles of sleep, then we're not detoxifying properly. So there are a few issues that play out. Um in terms of, of how it impacts and what it does to us. I think what we need to remember is that stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, turn off your sex hormones. Fundamentally, if that's all you hear, <laughs> mm. then that's, that's the crux of it. Your mm. stress hormones are designed to do that, to help you cope under stress. You do not need your reproductive organs to function under stress because the last thing you need is a baby when you're stressed out of your brain. That just it, it, Your body's smart. It's basically turning around and going, seriously, not now. Like, please don't do this to me, not now. And there's always a reason for that. So, I think if we pair it back and we look at it in that respect, you know, cortisol's there, it's bossy, it comes along when our our adrenals are triggered to make more of it, to cope with stress, and it basically turns around and really has its way more so with our progesterone. So our progesterone is that hormone that helps us feel good. It does contribute to sleep as well, our bone health, how healthy we look and feel. Um, Again, it's supposed to be a short-lived thing and not a long-term um, lifestyle approach. Um, and so progesterone is being turned off. It just means that, or, or I guess suppressed for a better description, it means that estrogen keeps on building. Um, and for, I'd say for 95% of my patients, men and women have too much estrogen in their body. Yes, we're supposed to have estrogen. It's really important. You don't definitely don't want to have none because it, then you wouldn't go on to make other sex hormones. But if your estrogen can't, um, sorry, if your estrogen continues to climb, um, it, this is when we see, again, it's just an, another imbalance that we see in the body. And high estrogen is definitely associated with a lot of issues, including anxiety and depression and certain cancers and, you know, less serious things like you said, painful periods, dysmenorrhea, PCOS, endometriosis, a very one key factor of all of those is high estrogen. So we must look at ways of getting estrogen down and sleep happens to be one of those. Um, The other really interesting thing that I recently learned when I did a little bit more research into sleep was how our brain now we know performs a a series of detoxification overnight And, and this is something that we never realized before. We know that our body detoxified overnight, but we didn't know that our brain did that too and then moved those toxins into the liver to then be, you know, basically broken down and moved out of the body. So if we're not sleeping, there's a chance or sleeping properly and we're not getting into that REM sleep, there's a chance that this detoxification isn't happening either, which also disrupts our hormones because if we've got certain um, or excess hormones in the body, that's also going to you know, inhibit the way that your hormones are actually working. Your body's supposed to detoxify. Your liver's supposed to detoxify um, your hormones, especially estrogen, and move them out through the bowel is the best way to do that. So if that's not happening as well, then that's only adding to that estrogen pile. So I guess they're the two main standouts if we're looking at 
you know, sleep deprivation and what's actually happening hormonally. They're the, they're the standouts that I look at straight up in clinic especially. And you've got to start somewhere. With some of this stuff, there could be so many reasons why. Mm. But starting with the basics and then seeing what you're left with I think works really well rather than trying to do everything at once. We love that approach in the West. We're like, just give it all to me. Like, I Just whatever I need. Do, I'm, I'm going to do it all now and that sounds amazing for about three days and then, then you get into that and you're like I can't do this I can't do what she's asking me to do that I don't even know if this is working what's actually right for me it becomes overwhelming so I think if you can just start with one or two things to really make some good inroads you can see then what you're left with and keep on digging further and further in yeah, I guess, yeah, you're wanting to, you know, find something that's sustainable, you know, for people to do and particularly, you know, our poor shift workers who are just juggling everything back to front, upside down as it is, you know, giving us 50,000 things to do is, is probably going to not even last three days, Nat, to be honest, it might last one. Exactly, <laughs> and I totally appreciate that too. You know, I see patients that are shift workers and, and you know, it's depending on what their outcome is and what they want then we need to definitely talk about how can we optimize body function i'm all i'm all, i'm all for ease don't you worry yeah. i will say to a patient oh, let's let's do the least that we need to do to have the most profound results mm. like what's the least we can get away with for you to actually see evidence that we can make your body work better mm. Yeah, I love that because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, I've, I mean, I've certainly, as I said, I've, I've been researching this a bit as well, but, you know, and, and it doesn't, it's, it's not, certainly not rosy, you know, when you delve into the research looking at, you know, shift workers and reproductive function, but, but, you know, in that being said, you know, there's, you know, thousands and millions of shift workers around the world that, you know, are falling pregnant and having babies and it, and it's, you know, not really an issue so I guess mm. it's about trying to find out, you know, I guess why others it's working for some and not the others. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that all comes back to the fact that we're all different yeah. and, you know, what works for one person isn't going to work necessarily for the next. Not only that, I mean, genetically we're all different. Um, we're all, we all have different detoxification ability and I think that's where that that's really where the crux of that answer lies is that if you can always be leading your body to process and move things out as it should be then that's always going to have a better outcome so you know there's other facets to it but again we're all about what's at the core of it now what's the least that I have to do just tell me (laughs) tell me what I need to do (laughs) and that might not be the answer completely but it's certainly going to set you on a road on a path to to making um or setting yourself up for a better environment and better outcomes yeah yeah I love that um look some of the also I have um a few clients that you know suffer from things like you know, dyspnea, you know, which, you know, for those of our listeners that aren't sure of that term, it's just a fancy word for period pain. But, you know, and some of them have been struggling with it for, you know, for years or decades and haven't been able to get any relief. What, um, I guess, particular treatment protocol have you found over the years, Nat, that, that really works well in overcoming, you know, this type of hormonal imbalance? Mm. I mean, any pain in the body always comes down to inflammation and why it presents in the uterus for some women, again, comes down to your genes. Um, And you can't change your genes, but you can make them behave in a way that you can turn these symptoms off. So, you know, people often say, oh, I'm cured. Well, actually, you can't ever not have endometriosis because you, or, or period pain, let's say, or inflammation, because 
your genes dictate that. Um, it doesn't mean that then it's an excuse to walk around and go, well, I have period pain because of my genes. <laughs> um, we have to learn how to teach them to behave in the right way or utilize epigenetics to do that. So that's, you know, things outside of us that influence our body to behave in the right or the wrong way. Um, when it comes to pain, especially period pain, I would say of what can you do to reduce that inflammation? So, you know, at the crux of that is always gut health and, and you know, if there is, you know, if the gut health is compromised, if there's leaky gut, which most of us um, under stress will experience, um, and if the gut flora isn't favourable, then that is going to definitely be a contributing factor and probably the biggest contributing factor. So, you know, looking at ways of improving digestive health is um, absolutely key. We also know now that, again, often at the core of this is excess estrogen, as I spoke about before. So looking at ways of getting estrogen down, stress will, like I said, increase estrogen inadvertently. Um, and that can definitely be, you know, part of what's associated with with pain and, and, you know, heavy bleeding and that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, start to work on your gut flora. Um, oh, what I was going to say is that you they've now researched certain strains of bacteria that are um, living in us and on us to help metabolise estrogen. So if you don't have those strains of bacteria, you're going to struggle with estrogen metabolism, which is a problem for many women. They've came about this um, finding through research that they were performing more associated with breast cancer. So excess estrogen uh. is definitely um, associated with breast cancer and they were able to or they've been able to sort of look at certain strains of bacteria and say, all right, well, out of this research group, the large majority of them didn't have these strains of bacteria um, that ma that ma metabolize estrogen, which is wildly fascinating. We're not at a point yet of being able to go, well, let's just put that strain back in. <laughs> that would be really lovely. Mm. Um, but what we do know is that if we just need to continue to make sure we're colonizing good bacteria in us and on us. So this is where things like hand sanitizers are a disaster because you are actually killing off the good bacteria that lives on you. Um, and we're mad for being thoroughly clean. Um, mm. But things like hand sanitizers in many states of the US are now banned. Um, they've recognized how bad they are for us and they've they've banned them. And I can't still understand why they're still used over here so readily in hospitals and, and um, you know, workplaces where there's food handling and just wash your hands is a much better alternative. Um, yeah, so these strains of bacteria are really important. So, you know, making sure that you're having pre and probiotics are going to be really important to continue to colonize um, and support healthy digestive function and reduce inflammation. At the same time, reducing those inflammatory foods is going to be really important. So, you know, gluten, sugar, dairy, all the good things that we want to eat are probably contributing to excess inflammation. And under stress, they're the foods that we want to eat um, because we're getting mixed signals when we're tired that we actually want the sugary carbs because our hormones are imbalanced and um, which is unfortunate but I think you know we need to look at or have ourselves prepared for some really good healthy alternatives that aren't going to contribute to poor health and you know foods either of benefit or deficit there's no in between it's either going to take you where you want to go or not take you where you want to go so you know always making good choices I think when you know that there are stresses like sleep deprivation that are playing in, what are the things I can do that are going to help my body cope better under this stress that I'm currently experiencing? Mm. Um, so 
also it extends to the digestive wall itself, and I think it's something that we often skip over. Is we understand very much that we need good and you know bacteria on us and in us. We don't necessarily look at the digestive wall itself or the gut wall, and that can often be compromised. And this is where food starts to leak outside of the digestive system and trigger this immune or autoimmune response so very much this is associated with pain definitely so looking at you know adding collagen even zinc is really useful to strengthen the junctions of the gut wall itself um and that can be you know as simple as that really it's all a lot of this can be done through diet um and and it's just one thing in many but it's the you must start with that i find because that's at the core of inflammation and pain Mm, fascinating yeah absolutely fascinating <laughs> profound research about the that particular uh, gut bacteria and i know i was very excited yeah. when i and they've done more and i probably need to get clued up on the next layer to that but when it was found i was so excited because i you know for so many patients that is their problem they are not moving estrogen out of their body yes they're stressed but what else can we do to you know get around that there has to be you got to get smart with this stuff you've got to go all right well I can't change my job that's it is what it is right now even though I'd like to maybe what else can I do or what what are all the things all the other things I can do to make my body work better um to see if I can get around this exactly yeah exactly yeah it's it's just yeah it's it's just incredibly fascinating because there is a link uh, also, unfortunately, you know, with, um, with hormonal cancers and shift workers and breast cancer um, in particular has come up a fair bit. So um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm mm. going to definitely be um, following the, the research um, on that for sure because, you know, you know and that obviously that comes a lot back to the fact that, you know, our, our melatonin is you know, not getting, we're not getting enough melatonin. We've got this light toxicity, so we're missing out on this really powerful antioxidant. But, you know, that that what you were just mentioning about the gut bacteria is yeah it's just fascinating so i have um i do have a, a question from one of my listeners um nat and it's related to ivf so i'm just hoping that you might be able to answer of it course. for her yes <laughs> um, i'd love to great so it's around um and these are from her words so it's around the dreaded two-week wait now her question is if you have a good five blastocyst transferred what would you suggest to encourage implantation? And I think I already know well, it's part of the answer you're going to go here with this, but rest, work, diet, managing anxiety, what do you suggest? Okay, so, I mean, you did cut out slightly there. It's a five-day blastocyst, we just said. Correct, yes. yes. Great, yeah. okay. So I think that that's your biggest win to begin with. And obviously when you you know, with IVF and treating IVF, there's two components. There's the embryo itself and then there's the environment that it's, we're putting it into. Um, so when you're already at the stage of you've got your blastocyst, which is great, it's very good that you're transferring a five-day. I get a little bit narky with the two-day embryo. I think that that's um, not favourable um, or even anything under five, I think, is, is you try and get your, your um, embryo to five days but then we're looking yes obviously at the environment and what we can do so again what can we do to encourage implantation what can we do to reduce any type of inflammation through the uterus um, and and ensure that you've got you know your, your best chances of, of implantation occurring um First and foremost, any again, reducing the stress in any way, shape or form that you can is going to turn off any of that inflammation. And when your body sees something foreign, it goes out to attack it. 
So if you are highly stressed and then there's this little embryo that's popping in there, your body might go, hang on a minute, I don't want that in there because it's foreign to me. I don't understand what that is. So again, it's just a coping mechanism. Whereas in the right environment, when there is less stress, then your body's not going to do that because it's not going to get mixed up on what that might actually be sitting there ready for implantation. Um, one of the most underestimated, aside from gut, which we've spoken about, sorry, first and foremost, you must, must, must be doing that. Mm. Um, secondly, one of the most underestimated, I think it's becoming more and more, um, you know, wildly understood is um, magnesium as something that helps your body cope with stress. It is hands down, it should be relabeled superpower in a jar. Um, (laughs) I find with patients that are stressed, it irons out the creases tremendously. It makes your cells work better. It helps your body to cope with stress better. Um, it, It also, when we are stressed, we tend to churn through magnesium in higher amounts. And mm. if there's not enough available, your body will just do the best it can under the circumstances, which means that in the, the process of cellular reproduction, it might not have what it needs to reproduce healthy cells. So we need to look at, at ways of, again, how can, we, how can we help with that? And one of the best things you can do is, is add um, magnesium. And I'd even take it one step further and the right B vitamins. There's a lot of research in B vitamins, especially five B5, B6 and B12 um, and zinc. So that's something I would suggest to add to your regime if you're not already doing it. The trick is getting the right type of magnesium. Please don't rock up to your your supermarket and buy uh, the bulkest, biggest thing you can find five dollars it's not going to work people ask me about baths as well can i soak in it of course you can totally soak in it but i don't find it's enough and under stress we need a good quality supplement and we need around a thousand milligrams per dose which is a lot it's very high but it works really really well so that's something else i would be suggesting Um, and again liver detoxability how can we make sure your liver is regulating your hormones properly, especially when you're going through IVF. You don't want to add too much to the mix. You're already on heaps of drugs and medication, but that um, just increasing fiber alone is one way of really helping to regulate the liver. Um, And again, you're not having to take or do anything that is going to impact anything else that you're taking. So those, excuse me one second, (coughs) sorry, those things alone are really good. The other trick I have is regular sex throughout the two-week wait. So it doesn't have to be a lot, but there needs to be some because we are, at the end of the day, we're trying to increase blood and nutrient flow to the endometrium to support and feed that embryo that's implanting. So it's something we don't do, especially in IVF. We're like, all right, I'm done. Don't, don't come near me. Don't touch me. Um, but that can be something that I find really useful. It's similar to acupuncture. And if you can get to having some acupuncture, then that's also going to be an amazing way to encourage implantation. I don't know an IVF doctor that won't support that anymore. Um, most of them have somebody on site or find somebody. Um that you are associated with someone that can give you some um, post-transfer acupuncture and I would do that a couple of times within that two-week window as well. Um, I think they're probably the best tips that I would give somebody without seeing them in my clinic and, you know, obviously if someone's in clinic, we can drill down a bit further as to their specific needs. 
Yeah, wonderful. There was so much um, yeah, gold in, there, in that. <laughs> Nat, it was great. And, uh, you know, two things. Obviously, if there's any guys listening, you know, your your comment about more sex, they're going to be like jumping around the, um, the, la- the lounge yeah, room. Yeah, make <laughs> They're going to go. I make a lot of friends. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Um, yeah, so that's, that's good. But getting back to the magnesium, um, Nat, do you recommend um, transdermal um, or applying different types of uh, magnesium yeah, directly to the skin? I've just heard that, that the uptake can be better than as opposed to in a supplement. What are your thoughts on that? I think in theory, yes, but I don't find to get the right amount in, you would need to be reapplying it a lot. Oh, okay. So I think you can okay. use a combination. Yeah. Um, I use, you know, I use practitioner strength yep. supplements in the clinic, which um, obviously do go a bit further. If you are getting something over the counter, um, see if you can source something like bioceuticals. Um, you know, it's superior, the quality's there. Then, you know, if, if you don't get magnesium right, you'll spend a lot of time in the bathroom. So you need to get it right. Um, you need to get the right type. Magnesium attracts water in the body. So if it's not fast absorbing, it will send you to the bathroom, you need, especially in high doses like that. So you want something that is rapidly absorbed. Um, that's going to really help to um, make sure that you're getting the maximum benefit out of it. But I don't find topical is enough. I, I don't find baths are enough. I think they're a great addition, but I don't find them that they're enough on their own. Wonderful, excellent. Well, that yeah, that's 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 great advice. Yeah, thank you. Well, look, you know, just my last question um, before we wrap up the interview, Nat. Although I could probably talk to you for another hour, but I'm a bit <laughs> mindful of your time. Oh, good. <laughs> I could quite easily talk to you for hours. Um, yeah. So people say that to me all the time. I'm like, I could really get sick of the sound of my own voice, but it's it's very lovely. It's very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. We're loving hearing your voice, so don't worry. <laughs> Is that your husband saying that? Maybe. I don't know. No, it's me in my brain going, oh, my goodness, surely people are sick of this. But you know what? I, I mean, I talk about this all day, every day, and I forget that people don't know. And, mm. and you know, I guess it's encouraging that people like to listen because I've got lots to share. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. It's just refreshing, yeah, refreshing to hear. But, yeah, just my last question before we wrap up is that what advice, um, you know, would you give to our mums and dads out there, you know, who are listening and, you know, and not only are they, you know, juggling sleep deprivation from the the, the job that they do, um, you know, whatever occupation that is, but they're also um, juggling that on top of, you know, um, as a result of having a new addition to the family. So they've got shift work plus a new bulb because I'm kind of thinking at this point self-care would be the number one thing as opposed to having a pristine-looking house and a nicely mowed lawn. I know. It's so hard, isn't it? <laughs> I get it. I've been there twice. Um, I think you've got to let go of the expectation. You're right. Like, you know, how can we let go of the ideal? And yes, it does feel very nice. And for some of us, you know, that's going to keep us sane, having the pristine house and the mowed lawn. And I guess if you have one day a week where that happens, at least you know that it's coming. (laughs) It might not stay there for very long, but I think it's all about working smarter and not harder. So again, how can you draw on your community? How can people around you assist what, how to get the jobs done that need to get done? Um, I think, you know, in the very early stages with a newborn, you really do, I would say, when you are at home and if you have the luxury and the liberty of being able to sleep with your child as it sleeps, then do. Um, 
to, to, to be able to make up. Your body's pretty smart, actually, though, I have to say, within those early early days. You get by on middle, minimal sleep and you don't actually feel that bad. Um, there are sometimes better days than others, but I think, you know, again, we have this expectation that we're not going to sleep and we're going to feel really tired. And, of course, if you tell yourself that you're going to feel tired, you're going to feel tired. Mm. So, you know, it's also having some... some um, whether you use the word mantra or some type of focus or words to keep you on track and to keep you sane. And I think, you know, I always get patients to use the word ease because I think it's quite universal and can be applied in many situations. You know, today I choose ease or, you know, whatever gets you towards that I think is really important. But again, Try not to tell yourself how tired you are because you're going to just continually find yourself in a perpetual state of deprivation. Um, this is also when, you know, things like the right supplements become very handy. Like I said before, your magnesiums, your Bs, your zinc. I'd add fish oil to that actually, um, especially for if you are a breastfeeding mother as well. There's a lot of research in how that can support your breast milk and make for a smart brainy baby and lots of other things and keep your skin happy and your brain happy and everything else. So that's probably something else I'd advocate for. I'd also say nutrition is paramount. Like I said before, you know, food will either support you or not. So how can you make sure that you are getting the nutrients in to support you through those those phases and stages but there really is no rhyme or reason to it there really is no magic bullet to it and you know if your child again if your child's not sleeping then that becomes another another facet or another issue as well so there's it's hard I think letting go of the expectation however is where it starts and to just go with it you know I had so many opinions and people's ideas I had a little baby that didn't sleep I was back at work full-time it was yucky until I surrendered to her and followed what she needed. And actually, eventually we did I, – I resisted co-sleeping for at least six months because everybody said how bad that was and everybody said how you'll never get her out of your bed and, you know, it was just not, not the done thing. Mm. And I remember my husband one day saying to me, you are getting up three or four times a night for at least half an hour. You're exhausted. And I was. I was so – tired I had vertigo all the time and he's like just put her in our bed and be done with it no she's not going to grow another arm she will not be in our bed when she's 21 (laughs) and let's just we've got to work smarter here yeah so that's what I did and it was it was it was the right decision for my family in that moment and it was like a ton had been lifted off my shoulders all of a sudden she was sleeping I was sleeping we're all getting a full night's sleep she wasn't even waking for a feed and we all just worked better and you know people used to laugh at us because we literally could have lived in a one bedroom apartment we had a really large house at the time and we were all confined to this one bedroom <laughs> but it worked and she she slept really it wasn't I know some kids thrash and sleep sideways and and it becomes really difficult Livy didn't do that she just wanted to be next to me that's all she wanted and I can understand that I kind of like sleeping next to my husband I like to you know not be in the bed on my own either so it was a really big turning point and it was also when I had enough strength and wit about myself to kind of go stuff everybody else because they're not living my day-to-day mm. life. They're living theirs and that's their ideal, not my ideal. Mm. Um, and we, we continued to do that for quite some time, probably till she was about three or four, um, but we actually loved it. We really enjoyed it and I think it made for actually her being a more secure 
and happy child. So it's just really interesting. Just follow your child. Don't worry about anybody else and do what feels right for you. If it feels right to go to sleep school, then heck, go to sleep school. Like Whatever you need to do, just let go of the, everybody else's ideals and worry about yourself. Oh, sleep school. I think shift workers need to go to that. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> Where is that place? <laughs> I know. I think it's really hard. I guess, look, you know, if you have a regular routine, then that works. The other one thing I say to, to shift workers that come in here is have your shift work routine and have your outside of shift work routine. And I know it's not ideal, but at least you have something to follow for the days that you know are not going to be the normal day and it is still part of your normal because you might be doing that half the time. So, you know, I still think have a routine that works and it might might be flipped, uh, you know, it might be a flip of your ideal routine but still have what works for you and a routine because your body does like that. Mm, Yeah, just have kind of two aspects to your life and Yeah, I mean there's lots of other tricks I use. Yeah, Yeah, there's lots of the tricks I use with shift workers. Um you know, the idea of, of tapping into the circadian rhythm and trying tricking your brain with using various types of light in the bedroom and that sort of stuff, you know, to try and mimic what would be going on if it was nighttime. So, you know, when the moon's at its fullest, have a little bit more light in the room. When it's at its, at its um, well, when it's a new moon, then sort of sleep in the dark and start to mim- mimic lunar cycles and that sort of, I mean, we can get into all sorts of things that are wildly crazy, but they tend to work for some people. Yeah, are they kind of lamps? Is that what you're referring yeah. to? Yeah, I just use a lamp and to yeah. to bring it closer and further away. So, mm. like a salt lamp's a really good idea, although they're quite temperamental and that the globes blow in them all the time. But you know, as mimic the the cycle, and as the moon's fuller, have the light closer towards you, and as it is a new moon, move it. You know, have it have its own cycle within your bedroom, but it works quite well. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Well, look, this has just been, you know, heaps of fun chatting with you. You know, Nat, as I said, I could probably throw 50 other questions um, at you, but I am mindful of your time. Um, but where can people find you to learn more about, you know, what you do with your, your practice in, in, in Melbourne, you know, some of the events? I know that you do talk um, around the country um, and, and some of the services that you provide. Yeah, um, everything's just at my website, natkringudis.com. Um, you can find links to everything there. Um, the most exciting thing we're kind of doing at the moment is we have this new membership where people can basically tap into a community and me and ask questions and kind of just build on the community. I'm very big on your tribe and your people mm-hmm. and building on them and having that support. And like I said at the very beginning, you know, how can we feel like we are together? How can we feel like we've actually our brain feels like it's together and we've got our ourselves in a position where we're not frazzled and, and feeling like we're falling apart. And the one thing I realised that was missing was community and drawing on other people's experience and support. So that was very much about that. And, you know, we've had we've had live chats on things like sleep and that's been one of our topics. So we're constantly exploring new topics. So that's something that I'd invite everyone to check out. You can <laughs> literally join for a dollar for seven days, which is really exciting just to try it on. But, you know, all the other stuff's there, um, podcasts and everything everything else so you know I'd love you to check that out no oh, they sound wonderful and <laughs> I, I I'm a, in, in totally agreeance with you with the community 
um, aspect because it, it's something that I've, I'm also creating because shift workers can obviously feel quite alone mm, with what we absolutely. do. No yes. one gets us, no one understands us and I think it's really important that you kind of surround yourself around with other like-minded, sleep-deprived people yes. <laughs> that kind of yes. understand. So, yeah, that, that sounds yeah sounds wonderful. Well, look, thank you again, you know, for joining me today, Nat. I can appreciate that you, you know, must have an extremely busy schedule with everything that you do, including your clinical practice, you know, based in Melbourne. So on behalf of, you know, all of um, my listeners, both here, both, sorry, both near and far, I'd like to say a massive thank you for sharing some of your wisdom with us today on all Amazing. things to do, you know, with humans. It, it, it really has been an absolute delight to have you on the show. Oh. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, if I can do it again, if you need more information, I'm always here. Oh, I might hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> well, that's it for another edition of the Healthy Ship Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Ship Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit, as this will help me to spread the Healthy Ship Worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. If you'd like access, to more free resources including my newsletter just visit my website healthyshiftworker.com and enter your name and email address thanks so much for tuning in and listening until next time and may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24 7 this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.